Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2022 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome to another edition of the New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Ludicky, and I am so happy to be joined in studio today with Stephanie Wood, who is the head coach of the victorious Austin Prep girls hockey team. They just enjoyed a perfect season. Uh, They worked very hard for that perfect season. I was at the TD Garden to see them and their triumph over Arlington and what was a terrific game, a great test. If you're going to win a championship, that's a great way to do it. Uh, Stephanie played at Northeastern, and she's been involved in in hockey for her whole life since uh, she grew up in New Brunswick, and it is my distinct pleasure to welcome her to RinkWise. Coach Wood, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Excited to be here, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we couldn't not after, you know, watching the Cougars do what you did, and Man, how diff? I mean, just think about a perfect season. Um, so much has to go right. You have to be. You have to have the talent. You have to have the discipline. You have to have luck. You know, things. You have to have the puck luck, and you got to get the bounces. But uh, tell us about how you guys were able to do it because it was pretty impressive to see in person. Thank you. Yeah. No, it it really was. And uh, you know, obviously, we are still so excited coming off of Sunday, and uh, I think we'll probably take that right into next season, uh, take that into the off season. But, but you're right. No, it was, um, it, easier said than done to go 27. Oh, and oh, and, uh, you know, we knew going into this year that this, we had the potential to have probably, uh, the best team that we've ever had in program history. And that says a lot because we have been very fortunate to have a lot of really talented teams. Uh, but this was definitely a really special group. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier for the girls. You know, they worked extremely hard. And I'd say especially, too, coming off of the past two years where everyone's life has more or less been turned upside down. And, uh, you know, it's just been really challenging. And I think particularly for this group, like we had nine seniors this year, and they went through a lot of adversity. You know, so three years ago, uh, they had their their hearts broken into pieces, you know, going into the championship game 24-0. We lost that one, of course, two to one in double overtime. Uh, so not not the place where you want to get your first loss of the season. Uh, and then the following year, we were fortunate enough to uh, get back to the championship game. And of course, uh, the pandemic hit, and that was right. canceled. 
Uh, you know, and then last year was just, it was tough. You know, they, they, I know that they tried their best to, to keep sports going for the kids and it was just a tough year for everybody, you know? So, uh, it just, this year just couldn't have been any better and it's just so special. And, uh, like I said, I'm so proud of the girls. They've worked so hard and, um, a real great story on resilience, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up multiple times. So essentially 51 and one going back uh, maybe 51 I guess would be what 0-1 since it was an overtime loss but that's right wow I mean just thinking about that Stephanie how much of a coaching challenge that had to be and how much of a leadership challenge for your seniors and your go-to players on the team because that no matter it seems like no matter what you did this season you had that because of the way 2019 happened you had that specter hanging over you it wasn't like you had had some losses or anything like, like you literally took a, a perfect season in and it didn't happen and so now you've you have a chance to close the deal but just how challenging I mean on the ice obvious challenges to that but off the ice as well oh it really is and uh you know I think any any great coach I think will tell you that you know what you see on the ice that's almost 10% and everything else that takes place, it's 90%, you know, so that the work off the ice, the mentoring, the, you know, the challenges off the ice, that's, that's really, I think where you spend a lot of your time. And, uh, you know, it's, it is tough. A lot of people, they, they look and they, they, you know, they see the tip of the iceberg, I think with us, with the success, but everything that happens underneath, you know, and it, it is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for these kids. And, um, you know, we really work hard to keep them humble, you know, keep them, uh, we get better, getting better every week. We push them, uh, to make sure that we don't stay complacent, but we, we constantly have a target on our back. And I think going into this, this game, this, this final game on Sunday for us, it was good to finally get some closure, you know, so w we would be lying if we said we haven't been thinking about that game every day for the last three years. You know, me personally, and I think finally it's a, it was an opportunity to get some closure and uh, you know finish it, and for for a lot of these seniors to uh, finish their Austin Prep careers with a with a bang. Well, they definitely did that. I was just looking at and just thinking, you know, visualizing some of your players that really stood out, and I, you know, I, I wrote her up, but your goalie, uh, Lauren Hannafin. I mean. Just it, tough. It's tough when you play on a team that defends well and has structured, and you're not seeing a lot of shots. And then you just have to the the, the mental, the focus, the concentration, and just the the ice water in the veins that you have to have to to be able to stand up. And especially, I don't think any player takes on that burden of a perfect season more than your goaltender, because at the end of the day, she's the one that if it doesn't happen, she's the one that gets credited you know with that that number in the in the one loss column and, and I, I just I was really impressed oh she's yeah she's she's great she's uh you know we've been really fortunate that in all my years there we've had an outstanding goaltender and she is absolutely one of the best that's come through come through our doors and she competes hard you know she is uh she gets up for the big games almost the bigger the bigger the game uh the, the bigger that she rises and as tough as, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned our defense, as tough as our, our team defends, you know, only, only letting up 11 goals this year, she is good enough that, 
you know, if the puck really gets to her that she can steal a game, you know, so it's, it's really tough, I think, for any team, no matter how good you are to be at your best every single game. It's, it's a long season. There's a lot that goes on in these kids' lives outside of the rink. And she's that good that she can steal a game if we need her to. And she, she has for us this year. Yeah. We'll talk more about your team as the podcast goes on. But one, one last point that I want to say that, that, you know, had to have been a coaching challenge for you in that game in that you pop two quick goals, you know, Bree Anderson, uh, Catherine Caro, just like that, boom, you know, up to nothing. And maybe people that followed Austin Prep is saying, oh, there we go. They're off to the races. And then all of this, what happens? The game tightens up. Arlington, you know, they, they bend, but they don't break. They get a late goal. And then it's two to one for the majority of the game until the very end when you guys came through with the power play. But just as a coach, what was that like for you to have to, you know, A, you were probably elated to see those two quick goals and that, that established the momentum. But then as it settled in and it was a back and forth affair, and it was really defensive. There weren't a lot of shots because both teams defended well. But just from your perspective on the bench, what was that like to, to be a part of that? Yeah, so of course we were really happy that we were able to get up early. That's been something that we have been – very good at this season and when we do that you know it really just helps to set the tone for the game so uh couldn't be happier for brie anderson as well freshman that was actually her first goal of the season right. what a great time to get her first goal you know at td garden first goal of the game and katherine caro is of course just what a veteran player just her her act for, her knack for scoring goals is incredible just that you know she she can pick her head up, pick a corner, find the back of the net. So just just a big-time player. But going into this, I think, you know, one of the the, the lessons that I like to, to teach our kids a lot is, you know, you're going to make mistakes, but if we don't learn from them, then those mistakes are a waste. And I think there are a lot of takeaways that we could take from three years ago, two years ago, you know, three years ago when we came up just short. And going into a championship game, we knew no matter what, it was going to be a very hard game. And one thing that we had to get better with and be prepared for, it's very much like a wave. It's going to go up and down, and we have to be able to uh, be resilient and um, still t stay tough You know, when a team comes at us hard. Uh, so again, so going into that game, we knew it was going to be really challenging, and a bit of a message going into the third period, you know, when we had our break after the second was, hey, we were in this exact same position three years ago and we we failed, you know. So uh, we, we learned a lot of valuable lessons that year and we just said we weren't going to make the same mistakes again. And, uh, you know, I thought we came out really hard in the third period. You know, we didn't score until late, but I thought we played very well. And essentially we really kind of, um, kept them under control, you know, limited their shots. Um, but but definitely, you know, scoring that third goal, you know, off of the power play, that was that was huge. And Kenzie Serrato, a great up-and-coming player, another big-time player. She's going to uh, most likely be a Division One player. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, the, the, the empty net goal with Isabel Hulse. Couldn't have been happier, more proud for her as one of our senior captains, uh, who uh, I thought just probably finished her high school career with, with the best game of her career that night. So Stephanie, let's go back how it all began. I mean, we, you're from uh, New Brunswick in Canada and you Maritimer 
and uh, you know hockey is hockey is a fabric. It's it, hockey is Canada's sport. So, tell us how you got into it and what led you to Boston and, and Northeastern. Who some of maybe the the key coaches or influencers, family members in your life that really paved the way for you to do what you've done in the sport as a player. Yeah, so uh, so I am a Maritimer, so back in St. John, New Brunswick, so it's a small part of Canada. Not as many of us come out of that part, but um, but the ones that do, we've generally uh, pretty successful. So um, so I was actually the youngest of three, so it was all, all girls in my family. Uh, however, that said, we were a very big athletic family, so it was good for my dad, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, so being the youngest, so we were really super athletic. And um, I actually was the only hockey player, though, that came out of my family. So um, being the youngest, I, I kind of just got dragged around a lot to uh, all my siblings' sports. And, you know, I was always on the sidelines running around, you know, trying to trying to copy everything that they did. And um, I started, I think, at age five, actually just in a basic kind of skating program, like a figure skating program. And at the time, just being really athletic and just picking up every sport I could get my hands on. Uh, there was a lot of people that really pushed my parents to get me into playing hockey. And the reason being that girls hockey back then was really just kind of up and coming. And they said, listen, she's, you know, she's a great athlete. She's a great skater. You have to get a hockey stick in her hand and, you know, get her going. And uh, cause she'll, she'll have probably a lot of opportunity and uh, they ended up being right. So, uh, you know, I remember my first year, uh, you know, back in my back in my day, generally uh, females like myself, like we were the only girl playing on boys teams. You know, girls hockey wasn't as evolved as it is now, uh, so that was pretty common. Uh, so I know, like my first year, I I, I didn't like it as much just because I was the only girl. And uh, I know, I think after my first year, I wanted to quit. You know, and my parents just knew like it wasn't because I didn't like hockey. It was just because it was just tough at the time, I think, being the only girl. So they didn't let me quit. And, um, you know, just by year two, year three, really, really started to get better and better and uh, was oftentimes like the best girl playing with all the boys. So, of course, then they their their tone started to change quite a bit, you know. So um, so I was just really fortunate. I did all of my uh, my my youth hockey career back home in Canada, right up until high school. So kind of rare, like I, I actually played boys hockey right up until I graduated high school. So even checking and, and everything. And I had a, a lot of great coaches, a lot of a lot of guys that, you know, just pushed me hard, treated me just like anybody else on the team. And um, certainly if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have ended up where I was. So uh, I ended up graduating high school back home. And from there, I did a postgraduate year at the North American Hockey Academy. So back then, that was one of the more prestigious uh, places for girls uh, in North America. And back then, it was in Stowe, Vermont. Uh, and then from there, I was fortunate enough to attend Northeastern University on a full athletic scholarship. How did you get there? Who recruited you, and how did that uh, how did that go? How did they find Stephanie Wood? Yeah, so uh, back then, uh, coming out of New Brunswick, I would say, you know, being a, a bit of a smaller part of Canada, uh, I think I had the talent back then, but just probably didn't have enough exposure. Uh, so like places like UMaine and stuff, who's right, who's right beside us, you know, they, they knew about me, but you know, my family and I, we just made a decision that we wanted to take that extra year so I could just kind of get out a little bit more, you know, get the name out, be seen more by more coaches. And my coach at that time was Bill Driscoll, who was awesome. You know, he, uh, not only had one of the best 
uh, academies for girls hockey, but was also just a great advocate for his players. And uh, I remember that we actually scrimmaged Northeastern uh, uh, one of our games. And I think I just had a, a great game, had a couple goals, had an assist. And uh, from there, the rest was history. So the, the coaches at that time at Northeastern were Joy Woog and Mike Cox. So okay. they were the primary recruiters. Yeah, nice. And it just, I mean, it does, doesn't hurt to be in Boston, right? You, being a maritime, totally. you come down, big city. And I mean, it's, I mean, look, we love Orono, Maine, but yeah. <laughs> so it's a world away from, from between Orono and Boston, isn't it? Totally. It's, it's actually kind of cool because uh, growing up, like as a family, like we would often take like a family vacation to Boston, to Boston, like once a year. So we would come down either for a Bruins game or in the summer, like a Red Sox game. So it just kind of uh, meant to be, I think, to, to end up down this way. So they say Maritimers are either Canadians fans or Bruins <laughs> fans. So which one were you? Well, so so growing up, uh, I think I already gave this away, but my first jersey that I ever had hockey jersey was a Montreal Canadiens. So okay. pretty sure my mom still has it back home uh, somewhere. It's tucked away. But um, so I was definitely a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. Were you a Saku Koivu uh, person or who, who were some of your favorite players that you looked up to? Back, so back then, uh, even in our schools, you would have like, you know, Montreal Canadian posters on the walls and stuff. So it was almost kind of like taught in, in school, like who you, you need to cheer for. But, um, back then I was a big fan of Patrick Waugh. Okay. Goaltender. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I, yeah, as a growing up a Bruins fan and, you know, it was a, an annual rite of passage that the Bruins, until 1988, that the Bruins would lose <laughs> to the Canadians in the playoffs. And yeah, Patrick Waugh was in on a few of those spring losses for sure. So, you know, great. Um, so Northeastern, uh, how was the transition? Were you prepared? Uh, and, and I'm just curious because you said you played boys, you played with the boys all the way up through high school. So, you know, there's the checking and the physicality. I, I have to think that probably translated pretty well for you in terms of making making the transition to the higher level and, you know, in, in women's hockey. Yeah, I think back at the time, uh, again, given that girls hockey wasn't where it is today, uh, for, for me and my family, me playing boys hockey that long was just the way that I could continue getting better. So just faster, you know, you have to make all your decisions faster, you have to be faster, you have to be tougher. Um, so I would say that that did translate well into playing Division One hockey at Northeastern. Um, I would say the only difference that I had to um, adapt to a little bit better was there isn't checking in girls hockey. So oftentimes you're going to see in girls hockey, you hold on to the puck more. There's a little bit more playmaking, your head is up, and you can hold the puck a little bit more. So that was probably the, the one area that I had to adapt to. Uh, but it was great, you know. And, um, you know, it's, I think as someone who coaches now and mentors a lot of young players, it's great because just having that experience as a player, you know. So once you go to college, and even now girls hockey is just so good, you know, everyone is their best player in high school. And then when you go to the next level – everybody there was the best player wherever they came from, you know? So it's, uh, you know, you have to work even harder and, uh, you know, everyone is bigger, stronger, faster, you know? So, uh, I loved it though. It was, uh, you know, if I could, I think for division, playing division one hockey, I mean, it at that time was probably the closest thing to, you know, playing like professional, you know? So for me, like I, I loved it. I was, uh, 
hockey fanatic, you know, like if I didn't have to graduate from, from Northeastern, I would stay there forever. I think that's what I said back then. Yeah. How'd you like Matthews? Loved it. It's to this day, it's still, still by far my favorite arena. Uh, we just had our, went back, I think it was, uh, January and we did our alumni game. So that's still a blast. Get to see a lot of friends from years past and, uh, you know, still, still my favorite rink of all time. It's the oldest building, right, in the world for hockey. So it's pretty, I mean, when you think of all the greats that have come through there and the Boston Bruins played their first couple of seasons before the Boston Garden was built uh, in Matthews and just, it's amazing. And it's a, it's just, it's a living history. You know, when you, every time I go in there and that's when I talk to young players that are considering Northeastern, uh, I always make a point of reminding them that, hey, it's not about like when you're looking at the facilities, they might be it might be older and things are, you know, it was built when it was built. So it's not a modern place. But think about the privilege it is to play in a place like that in the history. Oh, it's it's awesome. Yeah. And they've uh, really kind of unique because, it, it, as you said, it's the oldest venue. However, they have made several upgrades. And I joke when we go back now, I think they have like the biggest jumbotron in the history of jumbotrons that, that ranges like the length of the two blue lines so yeah good for them yeah no no doubt so uh interesting you taught you before we we started recording we were we were talking about your background and you said you you played all four of your your hockey years as a husky and uh but then you had a fifth year and um, of course the ncaa wasn't uh wasn't about to let you, you know, at the time play another year of hockey. So what did what did you do? Because you're you are uh, you are a rarity, and that gets back to your family's athlete. You know, just being an athlete, and how important that is to be an athlete um, to to excel at, at at multi sports and things like that. So so what did you do your fifth year at Northeastern, Stephanie? So in my fifth year, uh, given that Northeastern was a five year school, I was very lucky. I actually ended up playing basketball. For Northeastern. So I walked on to a Division One basketball team at Northeastern. And uh, definitely growing up, we were huge multi-sport athletes. And I think when I, you know, now as a coach, like I, it helps me when I'm discussing with families the benefits of being a multi-sport athlete that um, I can kind of use my own background, you know, as an example. So uh, obviously there's a lot of research, a lot of, uh, data that support, uh, the benefits of being a multi-sport athlete that will eventually help a young student athlete excel at whatever sport they end up choosing. You know, in my case it was hockey, but, um, yeah, so it was actually, when I got there, it was actually something I planned the entire time that it was there. So, uh, in, in the off season, you know, when we'd be, uh, you know, training and stuff in the summers at Northeastern, I would often just jump in and play like pickup with the, the girls team just to kind of stay fresh in it. And, uh, you know, when it got time for, uh, you know, the fourth year was finished, then, you know, I had a discussion with the coach and they were kind of like, who, who's this hockey girl, you know, that keeps jumping in and, you know, they're like, she's pretty good. But, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I was there and I was just, Loved being an athlete, so I didn't want to not be an athlete in my fifth year. So I uh, ended up playing basketball, and unfortunately, I, I ended up getting hurt uh, um, uh, when the season started, um, kind of an early part of the season with a um, labral tear in my hip. But um, but it was it was just a great experience, and definitely wouldn't have changed it for anything. Yeah, that's the that's terrific. And I one of the things I I'm not going to do this 
uh, and pound the table here because the, this is the podcast, but <laughs> I pound the table um, over and over when I talk to guests about the importance of being a multi-sport athlete and developing those different skills, the different skills you, you learn, whether you're playing basketball, softball, hockey, or really whatever you're doing, but do something. It, it avoids burnout. It avoids being too, having too narrow a set of skills. Because at the end of the day, I think that when you look at the who the top players are, boys, girls, men's, women's, they're always just the, the best athletes on their team. And many of them, and whether you're at a, in a hockey arena before a game and you're watching the team kick a soccer ball around, uh, sometimes just observing that. I couldn't agree more. You know, you'll figure yeah. out who the best guy, you know, who the best athletes are on the team by the way they kick the soccer ball around before a game to loosen up. Yeah, and I think for parents when you're trying to educate them, it's sometimes it's a hard concept for them to understand that you know, by playing different sports, you are ultimately going to help them be the best hockey player they can be. And sometimes it's hard to make that connection at a young age. But uh, for, ex for example, on the girl side, it's thought that the golden years for development, so meaning the years when they can uh, get as many um, athletic characteristics as possible is thought to take place at U8, U10, and U12. So kind of in those early years. So um, I know when I coach at those levels, I certainly encourage it because the more, uh, motor skills, coordination, agility, you know, that kind of thing that they can get at those ages, that just means that their uh, blueprint for athletic development is going to be that much greater than somebody that did not do those different activities. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. 
Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. I didn't properly introduce you at the top of the bike. I, I introduced you as the Austin Prep girls coach, but let's talk about the Islanders Hockey Club because you, you are a full-time hockey de, you know, coach developer. Uh, you've done a lot of work in building an infrastructure and opportunities for girls in the, in the area to play the sport at an elite level and to to follow in your footsteps so to speak and you know i originally said hey compare and contrast what you went through but you've answered that you really didn't have girls hockey you had to play with the boys and i think that probably gave you a unique window and an opportunity to decide you probably spent time thinking about it over the years hey what you know what could have been or what would i have done differently you could have done differently if i had been able to play with girls so this is a great time for you to talk about, you know, IHC and the work you and the entire organization, the coaches at the different levels are doing for girls hockey and why it's so important for girls to play girl, you know, play girl on girl. And, and maybe, you know, yeah, sure, there's advantages to playing with the boys. But really, when you talk about uh, development, growth and bonding and the things that girls can do that can be really beneficial, tell us about what you guys are doing at the, at the IHC. Yeah, so uh, so I have been very fortunate that uh, essentially my career is in girls hockey. So I think if I have to, you know, give an official title, I would just say um, all in girls hockey. You know, to kind of a little bit of everything, really. So, but it's it's what I do twelve months of the year. So um, so I have been very fortunate, and also for someone who necessarily wasn't. Um, planning at the time to go in that direction but uh it's funny when i went back to my uh, alumni game recently i was chatting with one of my old coaches and uh you know they're just they're obviously so happy to see what we're doing and, and proud and you know i said ultimately i think i'm doing what i was meant to do so kind of hard work and luck and being in the right place at the right time but um as much as i appreciate the comment that i i look like I graduated recently from Northeastern. It's, it's, it's been 10 plus years. So, um, so it's been a really awesome run. So, uh, it is really remarkable, um, and rewarding, I think, to see for me, someone that works firsthand in this field to see the incredible growth of the game. So, and, and I would say that that is most evident if you go and look at the younger levels. So, as I said, you know, back when I started, uh, I would pretty much always be the only girl playing on a boys team. And now when you go back and look there, you see like a girls U8 program. So that would be kind of like you're starting out five, six, seven, eight year olds. Uh, you know, you can see anywhere from 25 to 30 girls only on the ice. So it just really shows you how far it's come. And not only the numbers that have uh, increased so dramatically, but also the level that has increased dramatically. Uh, so, you know, when you go back and look, you know, when I go back even at Northeastern and look at a game to see how, how much better the game has, has become, you know, in, in 10 years, it's incredible, you know. And I think you can also see that at the, uh, the youth levels. And I think the, the thought is that, uh, you know, when it comes to making that decision to choose, you know, whether you should still do boys hockey or not, uh, I think often you find that for for girls they uh, 
they would much rather uh, play girls hockey for a lot of reasons. They're more comfortable, you know, socially. It just, it gets them a little bit more comfortable situation. But also too, the need to have to play boys hockey isn't like it used to be, you know. So you can start with a girls program, be playing at a high level, you know, be getting great coaching um, and, and not necessarily have to play with boys. When you're building, when you're building a program, it takes time. So really when, when you're, when you started with, with the Islanders hockey club and you guys are, are, are mapping out your vision and how you're going to sustain and not only keep your, your initial core group that, but then grow it. What are some of the things that you've, you've, you know, been able to do to really infuse excitement and, and bring in more, uh, young girls that want to be hockey players and want to be, you know, top, top athletes in the sport. Yeah, so I think uh, like any anything that you're trying to grow, you need to start from the bottom up. And uh, another kind of a, a unique thing with when I started with the Islanders was we, we didn't have much of the girls' side. You know, I think at the time there was only five teams and just over 100 girls, and now uh, it's it's more than tripled that. So we have close to 20 teams and over 300 girls. So I think that the focus on the bottom of your pyramid is where you need to start with. So that being the uh, learn to play, the, the U8 levels. Uh, when, I, when I talk to our families, I say for us, that is the most important age level that we have. So not only is it the base of our pyramid, but it's also the base of their hockey blueprint. So the instruction and what they're getting at that age is really the most important and that's gonna set their blueprint for where they can be down the road. So what we've done and what has worked well for us is often, so where I insert myself is at the base of our pyramid. So that's with our U8. So you will see me going from a Austin Prep High School practice, jumping on with our U8s, Islanders, to run their practice. I have to just kind of shift my brain a little bit before I get with mm. the, the younger kids. But uh, you know, so I will insert myself there and then often I'll put myself with like our 19 tier one, which is the last touch that they have before going to college. So at that stage for us, that's when most of those girls are trying to move on and play at the next level, i.e. college. So I just find that it's very important that I'm there as well. So I put myself at the bottom, at the top of the pyramid, and then kind of filter in uh, wherever, wherever I can. And I think there, there is, uh, you know, Austin Prep and Islanders are two separate entities, but for me, there is a lot of overlap. So I've been very fortunate that I have worked with a lot of my players for years. I think that's why, you know, Austin Prep this year, nine seniors, it's a really special group to me. You know, in fact, uh, you know, I think once the, uh, the, the, the high of the winning, you know, on Sunday wears off, it's, you know, a bit of sadness is going to set in because, uh, you know, finally a lot of these these kids are leaving the nest and, um, you know, I've had them for so many years collectively. You know, a lot have come through the Islanders. Uh, some I've, I've had as, as young as, you know, U10 and U12. So uh, really special group, but um, I think it can just also be a good example of, you know, the development model for girls hockey right now and, uh, you know, coming, coming all the way from, you know, the younger levels all the way of, uh, through to the high school ranks or prep school ranks. And, um, you know, this year coming off our roster, we're going to have um, four Division One hockey players, you know, moving on to play next year. That's great. 
Uh, and, you know, we, t- we talked about a few of them. I think Catherine Carroll, if I'm not mistaken, she's a she's an Islanders hockey club alumna. Um, just well, how about like just what really got me about her watching her was her details and her habit. I mean, she she scored a nice goal, but good in puck support. Just, you know, really, really competitive player. Um, is that is that or those are the values that kind of values you guys instill in your in your players? It, it definitely is. You know, I think, uh, you know, the the two things that I would really highlight for for girls hockey and, and what I do. Number one would be the opportunities. Number two are all of the life skills that you can really instill in these these young adults. And Catherine is a big time player, as we said, just her ability to score goals is incredible. Uh, but she's just ultimately kind of a dream player you know she's a coach's dream she does everything well she's a great person great teammate as are a lot of those players you know we had just a great group of captains this year and I thought they did an exceptional job leading that team and also mentoring our young kids Uh, but but certainly away from just hockey you know so um, you know we really try to uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of is when they leave our program, they are a lot stronger than when they started, you know, so we feel really good about when they graduate us that, you know, these are young adults that are strong, they're tough, they're resilient, and, uh, you know, they're going to be ready for the real world and, uh, you know, whatever can come their way. Uh, but going back to the to the opportunities, uh, you know, not only with the Islanders, but also with Austin Prep, we have... Uh, become a platform that has helped kids get to the next level. And that's important. So I think with uh, everything that I went through with my career, you know, Naha, Northeastern, I have had a lot of great experiences that can now help me do the same thing with my players, you know, so, uh, you know, for girls hockey right now, you know, when you when you finish high school, uh, one of the, the main goals that they have is to, to play college hockey. You know, Division Three, Division One. There's a lot of opportunities, so we are a platform that can help with that. And we've had we have a great track record of placing a lot of our kids in great programs, and uh, it's really cool because I've been doing this long enough. A lot of my alumni are playing now, or they come back and they help coach, and it's uh, it's kind of coming into full circle. So who are some of the superstars that you that you brought up that are now? returned and are, are, are helping coach and, and mentor the next generation of uh, IHC? Yeah, well, it's, you know, honestly, there's almost too many to name. You know, we, uh, on, on, on any given year, you know, we'll place anywhere from five to 10 plus kids into colleges. But, uh, you know, I think for, for me, having, you know, kids at both the Islanders and Austin Prep, you know, I keep in close touch with a lot of them. Uh, the Courier family, they're well known in the hockey world. They're from Middleton, Mass. I have uh, both of those those girls, Kendra and Kylie, come back and help and coach. And uh, Maddie Rinklin, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. They they circle back, and it's it's great because it's it's also help helping to filter other female coaches. So as I mentioned earlier, things coming into full circle, you know, not only helping my players, but then in turn, you know, they're coming back and starting to give back to the game. And I think. In, in a way, that's how, you know, girls hockey and the girls side is just going to con- continue to get better and keep growing. Gotcha. Okay. So Austin Prep, you guys go out, you're winners. 
You win the uh, MIAA Division I Girls Championship. Congratulations, 2022. But changes are afoot. <laughs> you know, Awesome Prep is joining the NEPSAC. So talk to us about that and that transition and just how that's going to impact you as a coach and your team and, and, and how you guys put, your, put, put it all together for next season. Yeah, so so we are. Yeah, it's it's an it's exciting. I think uh, I think it's a great long term decision for the school, and I think uh, you know I think Austin Prep deserves a lot of credit. You know, I've I've been there, uh, I believe it's eight or nine years now, and have seen a really great uh, evolution of that school and that program. You know, they've they've done a great job, and um, again, I think they deserve a lot of credit because they're right now, as far as I can see, the first private Catholic school that has made a decision like this. And uh, so they're somewhat of a pioneer, if you will. So, so we're, we're definitely excited for it, you know, so uh, for, for our hockey program, uh, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, so not only have we been able to be a uh, recurring top team in the state, you know, for several years now, I'm excited for the challenge to now do the same thing across New England, you know, so uh, have the same success, you know, be just as good and just as powerful uh, playing within the, the prep school league across New England. And in this area, it's just we're so fortunate. The hockey's just so good, and uh, there's just there's so many great programs, so many great players that come out of that. So, you know, it's something that we're definitely uh, really looking forward to. I think it's a new challenge, and uh, especially after this year, you know, nine seniors that graduated. But uh, I think no question it's, it's, it's a better – level of hockey uh i think that there is a lot of opportunities you know for the programs and the players that come out of there uh so it's definitely a, a new challenge that we're looking forward to so just look reflecting back on the level of competition that you faced in the miaa and what you think you're going to be up against on on the prep side what 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 are your just general observations on on what you've seen and and what you think you're going to face as you guys make that uh, transition yeah i think it's uh you know i think the first thing i should say is i think that in massachusetts we have some of the best hockey male and female in the country so i think we know that in the united states Massachusetts, Michigan, and Minnesota are the top states for hockey, both male and female. And I think that, you know, we are departing the MIAA, and I hope that things do continue to go well there. However, I would have liked to have seen during my time that there was a little bit more evolution of, of the league. Uh, so, you know, just for example, like this, this year was the first time that they ever used like a power rankings system. And in my opinion, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's more of a modernized way of, of rankings, you know, and um, I would have liked to have seen it ad uh, adopted a little bit sooner, you know. So I, I, I think that, you know, over during our time, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more progression of the MIAA, you know, so I hope that they do continue to go in, in a good direction. But that said, I think with, uh, you know, our... Uh, launching into the NEPSAC, uh, I think it is a higher league. I think it's a higher level. And I think ultimately now too, like we will uh, attract a almost a different uh, level of student athlete. And uh, not only I think will we attract just local kids, top local kids, uh, 
but I think it's an opportunity too for, for players to come from across North America and uh, join the school and join the program. Great. I mean, it's a, again, it's an opportunity, right? It's a chance to, to and, and you said it, higher, higher competition. You're going to have, you're going to have better athletes on the team. They're going to be better. And you said something earlier too, that I, I really want to highlight. And that is, you know, whenever you come to a program, you want to leave better than when you started. And that's a, that's a huge one. I was in the military and I remember, a, you know, my first commander telling me, you know, you'll be a better platoon leader on the day you walk out of the position than on the day you started if you do it right and so it's great you know yeah it's that's the best advice you can you can have right because yep, you, sure. you know a lot of times and especially in, in in hockey and competition there's a lot of pressure you know to you know hey you got to do you, know, you got to perform and you got to win and you got to you know and so if if some of your your girls your athletes understand hey this is a process it's a journey and i, I don't have to be the best and it, uh, you know, on top of my game on day one, but I have time to develop and train and, and get experience and get better. And I, and I love that that's a value. Those are the kind of values that you're instilling, you know, in the, in the people you're around. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we've been fortunate that that is, I think our reputation, you know, so, um, being where we are located, there are a lot of options where families can send their kids. And I think that, you know, one of the main reasons why we've been able to be so successful at Austin Prep is we have created a culture that people really want to be part of, you know. So aside from hockey, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but the the players that, you know, the families that, that come to us, they know that they are going to get better. They know their kids are going to be pushed. They know they're going to be in an environment that can potentially help them go on to the next level for the ones that want to. So um, just creating that culture is, is very important, I think, to any uh, team or, or business to be successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So talking about success, successful cultures, teams, let's talk about your, your Cougars. So, you know, again, we talked about the game at the beginning of the podcast, but you know, there you you mentioned several names, but who are some of the who are some of the players that really, when you look back and you reflect, you know, whether they were seniors and part of that heartbreak in 2019, uh, or maybe they, you know, newcomers, new faces uh, that are just getting their first opportunity to experience it. Who just really? I mean, again, you you can't we can't name them all, but we can certainly um, give you know, and I, and I want to give full, full credit to your entire team because it takes you know, your, your roster top to bottom to do something like this, but who are some of the players that you really, and you look back on it, it was just really, they were the fabric of your, of your championship culture and, and how you guys were able to do it. Yeah, no, it's uh, just an absolutely unforgettable year. You know, this is just something that we're, we're never going to forget. And uh, this group has been able to cement themselves as the most successful sports team in the history of Austin prep athletics. And I would probably argue MIAA in general. But uh, this group was just completely motivated and bought in from the beginning. So I would, I would take it back all the way to the summer and the off season. So simply put, like this group works extremely hard and they worked extremely hard for their success. Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to our seniors and particularly our captains, uh, Lauren Hannafin and Nett. Maeve Carey on defense, Isabel Hulse 
on forward and Catherine Carroll on forward. They did a great job leading the team. Uh, as I said, just they did a, an outstanding job mentoring our young players. And uh, when the going gets tough, they put the team on their on their shoulders and they uh, they they carry them. But also with all of our seniors, you know. So getting back to the off season, every single one of these players came back better this season from all the work they did in the off season. That's very important. So I think for for any young student athlete who has goals and wants to play at a high level, you need to constantly get better. So I think if you stay in the same position, you know, there's just the pool's too deep, it's too competitive, you have to continuously get better. Uh, some of the things that we addressed right away as well, uh, last year, for example, during COVID, it was a really challenging season for, for pretty much any team and any coach. You know, there was so many restrictions, so many rules, and a couple of things that help our team be successful, we weren't allowed to do. So again, for example, the team cohesiveness, team togetherness, team bonding, we weren't able to do any of that. So starting in the summer, this group, we, we planned, uh, you know, several family get-togethers with the team, you know, parents, players, that allowed us an opportunity right from the beginning for this group to be really close. And in my opinion, that is extremely important for a successful team. You know, if you don't have that buy-in, you know, you're just not going to get to a big game and have kids that are going to willing to back check or block shots or, you know, dive for loose pucks. You know, you're just not going to have that, you know, for, for a team that's just not bought in. And, uh, you know, again, it gets back to the training. You know, every single player came back from this off season better than the year before. And we knew we were going to have an opportunity to compete and to compete for a championship. And uh, this was just one that we weren't going to let slip through the cracks this year. Well, you certainly didn't uh, let that happen. And uh, what do you say to, to players out there that think that the work is only done in the rink? Because there are some out there, believe it or not, you know, and it's pretty evident. Um, and, and they, you know, I think, you know, the ones, the players I've been around that are truly elite understand that it's a constant, it's a, it's a commitment and you're not going to have a regular life, normal life as if you want to be a top college player, you want to have a chance to be a pro, uh, you have to be committed. And so what do you say to to players maybe that aren't all in uh, or think that, hey, the, the work you do is at the rink and then, you know, when you're off, when you're off the ice, you know, just do whatever else because it's it's probably not going to be good enough, is it? Yeah, I, I say to the players that you have to put the work in. You know, we talked a lot about the younger levels of playing multi-sports and being a multi-sport athlete, and that's very important. But certainly as you age up and uh, you aspire to have higher goals and play at a higher level, you have to put the work in. And uh, simply put, if you don't, then someone else who is putting the work in is, is going to surpass you. So, um, you know, and off ice training is, is also huge now, you know, and for, for, for girls sports, I'd say that's also a big reason why the game has gotten so much more competitive. You know, players, not only are they skilled, but they are bigger, stronger, faster. And, uh, again, you know, you have to put the work in the, uh, this week, it was kind of funny. We, you know, we just won a championship on Sunday and, uh, you know, we, take a little bit of time off. The coaches need a break too. The players need a break, but we had some open ice and a bunch of the girls were like, Hey, you know, we're going to go work. And I'm like, Hey, you can, you know, you take some time off, but, uh, 
but it's just the, the mindset, you know, it's, it's the culture, but, uh, but certainly, you know, that's what, uh, the old saying that that's when players are really made is in the off season. And, uh, my recommendation is to have a coach or someone that you really trust and can sit down with you and discuss what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And most importantly, your weaknesses. You know, I think in the springtime, that's a great time to work on those. So skating, for example, you know, you can never be a good enough skater, you know, when it comes to being a great hockey player. And that might be a great time to take on some power skating, you know. So again, I would, my recommendation if people want to get better is focus on your weaknesses and make sure that when you come back the next season, those aren't your weaknesses anymore. Yeah, it's great. It's always funny to me when I would watch guys after practice and they were working on the things they're good at. That's fun and it's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. fun and it's easy. <laughs> right. It's certainly not going to move the needle with the coaches that are watching and going, yeah, I mean, we know you can shoot the puck. For man. sure. Let's, let's see some, let's see some, some, uh, foot speed and some agility or thing, you know, or, you know, she get the puck through uh, traffic, but, uh, this has been a great, this has been a great, uh, time. I've really enjoyed, um, hearing from you about this. I think that you're right. I mean, there are so many more girls playing hockey than ever before. I see it. Um, you know, I would go to prep games and oftentimes the girls were playing, you know, right behind the boys and there's a real, you know, there's a real hunger, I think out there, um, in the space. And, you know, we just, we just, you know, Boston Pride just won the, the Isabel Cup for the second straight year. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Great game. Great hockey. Yeah. Just really exciting to watch. And these are the types of things that the that the girls that you're working with can aspire to. And uh, so we don't want to forget about it. And um, I appreciate you reaching out to me about the importance of, of covering it. And we've had some discussions. And, you know, at New England Hockey Journal, we, we Great just... dialogue. Dialogue exactly. We we, we want to do it the right way, and it's about it's about finding the right people that can 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 honor the work the girls are doing. You don't just throw any any person in there and expect it to be done right. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I really enjoyed watching you watching your your team and for it all to come together. It was pretty special to see you all come off the bench. Uh, it, you know, after that after that one. And you say, yeah, you said it was hot, hot in there, but it got really hot with, you know, after that, that pile, that, that, that dog pile celebration. So it, it sure did. And I think it's still a blur, you know, that final buzzer rings and, uh, you know, all you can think of, we, we won, right. so we did it. You guys will walk together the rest of your lives. And that's the thing, like, you For know, sure. again, championships, that's, you know, you know, teams, you always have the bond with the teams and the teammates, but when you, when you do something like what you did and you said it was a, it was a historic season. So my hat's off to you, Coach Stephanie Wood. Um, Thank you again, so much. I really appreciate you coming into studio to join us. I'm I'm I am backed ably by my uh, producer Steve Safran. Saf does a great job on this um, this podcast and and many uh, all of the uh, Siemens podcasts. So thanks, Saf. Uh, again, Stephanie, thank you so much. I wish you guys nothing but success as you you know, continue to process the, the win. And then, uh, your, your athletes start to, uh, look ahead to what's next. Some off to school. So you've got quite a few going to Stonehill. We uh, do. Yeah. Nice and close. <laughs> I can still go watch their games and maybe give a little critique from the stands, right. but uh, I'll just enjoy sitting back and watching them at that point. You know, yeah. very proud. Right. What and they're going to go do. And you've got a core group that have, uh, other, uh, you know, business to look ahead to. Uh, For sure, yeah. With a big transition there to the knapsack. But again, 
Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, for the New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast and Stephanie Wood, this is Kirk Ludicky, And uh, as always, we will see you next time at the rink. Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at hockeyjournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.